Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, I'm Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. So this week, we are talking to Rachel and Stacy from Decoding Couples. They were a lot of fun. I know. They're so great. It was it was a blast to get a chance to chat with them. And, and also, they're just as funny in person as or as creative in person as they are in their reels. Yeah. Their, their real game on Instagram is... It's fire. It's so good. Yeah. It's really great. Um, so we talked to them this week about... Maintaining your sex life mm-hmm. in long-term relationships. Yep. That's something that a lot of people are struggling with during COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, we invoke some of the greats yeah. um, talking about desire and and long-term relationships and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of fun. And then... We talked about how to open up a relationship. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about our own relationship being non-traditional, but... We kind of started from the beginning as not being traditional. So we wanted to get some information from them yep. about couples that are all have already been in long-term mm-hmm. monogamous relationships, how to start to crack that open a little bit. Well, and also what their experience is like as licensed therapists mm-hmm. that, that are, you know, dealing with people in those positions mm-hmm. to get kind of a professional kind of expert yeah. opinion on that because we have some experience but we're not professionals and so not in that no and we uh 
we're really, really glad that we got a chance to talk to them because they are so much fun and they will not, it will not be the last no, time. No, we're definitely we going to do something them, else so. with them for sure. Yeah. So enjoy the episode, everybody. Enjoy. And today we are welcoming Stacy and Rachel from Decoding Couples. It's so nice Hello. to meet you both finally. Good morning. You too. It's morning for you guys. It's noon for us. Yeah. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's became, okay. I think we we'd rather there. be on we'd rather be on California time than yes. yeah. Oh my so. gosh. It's good to finally meet you guys. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been a huge fan of your Instagram reels. That's how I discovered <laughs> you. And there I we'll put we'll put all of their pertinent information mm-hmm. at the end, but you really need to go follow their Instagram and watch the the reels because they are fire mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so oh, thank you so can you tell me a little bit about how decoding couples got started and what what was kind of the impetus for that and what is your your kind of main focus yeah absolutely so rachel and i um we are both licensed marriage and family therapists outside of decoding couples um and that was kind of the initial meeting of this soulmate that I have over here, um, (laughs) navigating pregnancy in private practice. Um, Rachel and I connected through a therapist group and it was just kind of one of those relationships that really clicked. From there, we dove into opening a suite together. So we are right down the hall from one another running our private practices. And in Mm -hmm. that, we just became really wonderfully close. And in that, we bitched a lot about (laughs) our marriages. (sighs) It's true. Take it it away, Rachel. 100% true. I mean, yeah, we were, we, I don't, decoding couples came out of growing really close. We had opened this space together, but then, and we thought we were close then, but we really started to open up about how we were struggling in our own marriages and our relationships. And it was double isolating, not only because we do this for a living, but our partners weren't ready either to go back into therapy with us or to start therapy again, whatever the combo was. And we were just kind of like dancing around each other in between sessions. Like, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. How are you doing? Like it was. And so we started really opening up about this space that we found ourselves in, in that we knew our relationships needed help and support, but we weren't ready for whatever reason to go into full-blown couples therapy. So after, you know, talking at length and ordering copious amounts of takeout and delivered food, uh, (laughs) we realized we probably weren't alone and that a lot of individuals and relationships were struggling in this in-between place. Mm -hmm. And now we have what, seven months later, Stace, decoding couples. And we were born only seven months. Yeah, it is nuts. I don't even think it's been seven months. See, you think it's been six. That's the most mature yeah. baby. That, that, I've is, seen that, in a while. that is a quick growing baby. <laughs> it was yeah. a large baby large from baby. the get go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It hurt the uni coming out. That's mm-hmm. that. oh, yeah. can I ask what like what what was the hesitancy? It's it's kind of interesting where it's like it's like the cobbler's children have no shoes, right? When you have all of this knowledge and then you have a you have partners that are like, no, I don't wanna so much talking. Well, what, but like, what is that about? What is, <laughs> Dante knows. What were the issues there? Like, what, what was the hesitancy for your partners to want to, to want to go back into what you call full-blown couples therapy? I don't know. Well, take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think, 
I don't know that being with a therapist is super easy, right? And I think sometimes yeah. going into therapy with your th- with a therapist as a partner can be a little intimidating and daunting. You have an advantage over over that. Yeah, right? that's yeah. how they feel. You have a language. You have a skill set. You're better at it than they are. Mm-hmm. Always watching. <laughs> always judging. Always judge. Look at the baby. Uh-huh. Look at the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that was like a big thing for from for my side is I think there's like an intimidation factor, oddly enough, around therapy with me because I am a therapist. And then you know. Th- also been COVID. It's been crazy over here with COVID in Los Angeles. Like it, you know, has not been an easy, an easy go, I think for anyone, but then to throw on top, you're so exhausted. You're home with kids. Work has changed. You miss your family. And then do you really want to end your days, you know, busting your stuff wide open to a stranger? Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I think sometimes, and we get that as therapists, right. Um, and also just as humans, it really has to Therapy right. can be exhausting on a whole nother level, right? Yeah. And if you're already exhausted, like, it's like, no, I just can't. Yes. And, and I'm sure yeah. even from your side, when you are engaging in, in this kind of therapy all day long, same thing. The last thing you want to do is like, oh, now I got to talk about my shit. I think I'm all done. Like, I'm good for today. But it's, it, and, and we don't get hurt a lot, Beatrice. Like, <laughs> our, job, our job is to take in. We actually don't, it's a very, a lot of therapists report feeling really alone a lot. So oh. I don't know. I like having someone listen and I'm paying them and paying them to listen to, to me. Listen. To listen. Yes. To right. listen. They don't have to feel yeah. bad. But that, yeah. that must be what, like you said, that's one of the things that brought you two so close is that you have that language and you have that experience, you have that yeah. ability. And so to be able to cut right through the small talk bullshit and get right to yes. yep. the, the things that matter to you and what you're actually yeah. feeling, it must've been such a, a relief for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a relief. And I think that's you know something that in my situation, my partner wasn't ready for. He was not ready to kind of dive in and have some of that more real talk because we had had a bad experience with our second couples therapist. So he not only was just like, things are fine. I don't really want to have this like raw talk right now. We had also had, you know, a not great experience with a couples therapist. And so that combined with the everything's fine. We're doing the stuff with the kids fine. Like it's fine. And I think people, a lot of people think that it has to be, you have to be in crisis to kind of go into couples therapy. There has to be something that's so obviously wrong but one partner is usually either halfway out the door or deep in denial. So this crisis we're waiting for is really just an aversion to your own shit. So it wasn't that I think I was dying for real talk, but I don't know necessarily that my partner was ready and we had both had pretty, you know, not a great experience until we found our, our third couples therapist. So I don't know. We were, we were ready. Well, I was ready. And then um, I think he felt a little more comfortable once he had someone that like, saw him in the way that felt authentic yeah bad therapy experience can can do a lot of damage (sighs) i mean i from personal experience you know when you go into a a session and then it just you feel attacked and you feel like there's there like there's nothing that you can do you're like well this therapy thing sucks i'm not doing that again right and so yeah good good on your partner for giving him another go because that's a hard one to to get out of Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's, that's a real fear of, of couples therapy that I think more often men feel than women. Yeah. And I talked about how you felt that way, 
that, you know, oftentimes the woman will come in and do a couple sessions on her own. And then by the time the man shows up, it's like, Oh shit. I'm the asshole. Yeah. And I think actually you did a post about that this week about uh, recently about that, about how the anxiety of the partner that hasn't been involved up to this point showing up and going, I'm already on the back foot because Oh, that real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been told all kinds of shit about me. Yeah. I think it was, I, I'm pretty sure. It oh, was, it was 50 cent. It was 50 cent. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you what heard you- about me. Oh yeah. Let's yep. do it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> that's you all I got. <laughs> and I think that's a problem too, right? No partner, regardless of what you're dealing with, wants to come in. Like the room is set for them. Like the story mm-hmm. is already, the narrative is rigid it's we already know all about you like that's so you are going to be on the defense and that's why you need 50 cent to walk into the room (laughs) that's why a lot of partners feel though that it's kind of the stage is already set and I think that's why also Stacey and I really try to not practice that way in terms of having one a relationship with one partner and then bringing the other in like you either we're all together or you just have like your individual clients because one partner always feels set up and it sucks I think that's great that you consciously make that point where we, we all start together or I see you separately. We don't, yeah. we don't go one way than the other way because normalizing couples therapy is something that is really, really important. Like you talked about, don't wait until that crisis point when, like you said, one partner's halfway out the door or almost out the door. And it's a lot of people have points that they just can't come back from no matter how, how much therapy you have. And, and so one of the things that we've done, just, I think part of it is because of the nature of our relationship, we have done like checkup couples therapy where, you know, regular intervals, we'll just, we have a a therapist that we both uh, connect to and trust. Mm -hmm. She's incredible. And we just go and, and check up and she'll go. So How's it going? What's, what are the issues? What's going on? And it's great because nothing gets so far without having the language to, I mean, the one time it did, but that was, (laughs) we're back. That's another story. (laughs) We were on a break episode, but anyway, Um, but, but I think that that, that time would have been a lot worse and would have been a relationship extinction event if not for that previous relationship. Mm -hmm that therapist. So I think that's, that's really important. So I'm, I'm sure everybody is pretty, if you're in a relationship, you know what the big, the big problems tend to be. And one of them is sex. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not yeah. butter. Yeah, sex, sex. Yeah. is yeah. bread yes. and butter. Yes. So, and and so, would you would you say that that's probably one of the biggest issues that brings people to you? Oh, hands down, hundred percent. I feel like the top two things that we hear is just the general. We have communication issues, and then also wrapped in that is our sex life is down the drain or we are not as intimate as we used to be. How come Mm -hmm. things aren't, you know, how they were a few years ago? Um, You know, those two things are obviously wrapped together, but yes, I would say that is mostly Mm -hmm. what I hear. That's for sure. Yep. Sex. We're not having it. We lost the spark. We're roommates. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much resentment. There's so much A, B or C going on that we don't touch, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if everyone was having more sex, the world would be a better place. But oh, we're hands not. down. 
Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's happy around here when, I mean, Oh well, yeah. <laughs> we actually read an article about how the predicted COVID baby boom not only did not happen, it's like gone so far the other way. Heck yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I read the article and I was like, who are they talking to? Because <laughs> yes, you know, a lot of people got pregnant. Nice right humble now. brag. What? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, being, well, maybe unless you were in the very beginning stage of a relationship where those sparks are, you know, flying off the handle and you, now you're so excited to get more time together. I think for most people getting stuck with your partner for a prolonged amount of time isn't necessarily the sexiest thing because sex depends on so much more than just being ready to go. It's feeling appreciated. It's the thoughtfulness, it's chores, it's, parenting, it's balancing roles. Yeah, it's, it's all of those things. And when you're stuck with your partner, it's really clear what what is missing or what you guys are on different pages with. And that impacts what happens in the bedroom. It, it certainly places a microscope over your relationship, right? It's going to, yeah. it's going to highlight yeah. sore spots. And, and if you have people that have admitted that their communication skills aren't great to begin with, then mm-hmm. it's just going to expedite that process of tanking your sex, your sex life. And there's no distractions right now because there's no kids extracurriculars and mm-hmm. girls nights and all these kinds of things to, to create space or even just going to an office or to a job yeah. for ex- yeah. everybody's spending so much time. I together. really need to miss you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right yes. Yeah, oh. absolutely. So I what are like, we, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Beatrice. No, go ahead. No, you feel like, how do you feel? Tell me, Rachel. I feel. Happy to talk. Um, I think COVID, though, did force, Esther Perel talks a lot about how we put all our pressure, focus, eggs in one basket, that our partner mm-hmm. must be our everything. And that's a mm-hmm. lot of what quells desire. She talks about how relationships need, like, play and space and lightness and discovery. And I think COVID was a really great example of not only, like you said, the microscope, so uber focusing on this person that is supposed to be your, your everything, but also I think it really, I don't know, highlighted why that's not necessarily healthy or that why that doesn't work. And so if your person was going to be even 60% of what you want and need, you were going to have to face, there was nowhere to hide because we could not leave. So Mm -hmm. if they were supposed to be your end all be all, And, you know, they're really like your 20% person, ouch, like that's something you're now sitting with going on what we're a year into COVID. And then if you have some awareness that my person is not supposed to be my end all be all where I get all my pleasure, love, excitement from whatever it is, you're then lacking those other relationships and opportunities and activities. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like double fucked. It was like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, double fucked, not in the good way. Like, not in the good, the good way. way. No. Yeah. But Dante, what you said is right. Like missing girls nights, right? Like going out with your girls, yeah. having some drinks, maybe having someone hit on you that makes you feel good because you're yeah. used to being a mom at home, <laughs> right? And you get to bring that energy home to That's your relationship. Right. And so there's nowhere to like pull that like extra excitement from if you used that before and that that stuff matters yeah Yeah. well dr wednesday martin in her book untrue she talks about what drives female desire and what tanks it and Mm -hmm. a lot of times what tanks female desire is familiarity over familiarity with your partner reach yes close the bathroom door 
Close the bathroom door. <laughs> Poop with the door closed, please. And I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to no. know what it looks like. Put the fan on. <laughs> Run the water. Do whatever. Play some music, whatever. And and one of the things that fuels female desire is being desired by other people and attention from other people. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to do anything with them, but yeah. just just we think of, you know, she talks about how when your partner goes, oh my God, you're so hot, you're so sexy, you're like, look, you have to say that because I'm your source, okay? <laughs> so when you go out and you get attention from other people who they have no guarantee that they're going to have sex with you or do anything with you, it means more. And so you're right to go out and have a girl's night and get all fired up and bring all that home to your partner, that's, and, and COVID taking that ability to do that away, that puts mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. So what do we do about it? I mean, you just take a pill and it's fine. Like you just oh, go to <laughs> store. And, All right. I'll order them. Yeah. Now. We sell that. We sell that. They're about five grand a pill um, <laughs> and then you're good. That's fine. Sweet. Okay. But if we don't have five grand for the pill, what do we do? Got it. Okay. Oh my gosh, so I know where do we start? And also, I mean, looking at, at the layers of COVID and not on it, I guess we kind of have to speak to what's, what is going on right now versus whenever times will be normal and you can go back out and, you know, get fulfilled from your other places. I think that we always say the first place that you have to look at is the thoughtfulness of what you're giving your partner throughout the day and the choices to make those little bids for connection and intimacy Mm -hmm. through kind of like the thoughtful acts that those are really, really, really important. If everything is falling on your partner's plate and you are not doing anything to, to help them out or appreciate them or step up in the small ways, they're probably not going to be super turned on at the end of the day when they've done all the housework, run all the errands, taken care of all the kids, also worked, um, you know, cooked meals, put dishes away. You know, it's not the, I don't know, it's not the 20s or 40s or 60s anymore. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of people aren't, aren't ready to go after that. It doesn't feel like an obligation anymore. So I'm all right. I'm just exhausted listening to you talk about all that. (laughs) I I know it doesn't, it doesn't get anyone going. Well, maybe it does. I shouldn't say anyone, but I was going to say, yeah, if you do, if you clean the office, that gets me going hundred (laughs) percent. Exactly. Cause I'm being thoughtful for you. (laughs) Uh, But so I, I think right now, focusing on the stuff actually outside of sex, outside of the bedroom is the very, very first place to start to lay a foundation of your partner liking you. Because if they don't like you, they might not want to have sex with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that autopilot we talk about Mm -hmm. a lot, right? Like Mm Stacey is spot on. Not only do the bids of like connection and vulnerability create space outside these roles that were really typically assigned to each other, right? You're just my partner, you're my husband, you're my wife, you're my, you know, my spouse, or you're the caregiver to my kids, like, we're just these roles. There's not a lot of room in that there's just not a lot of discovery or mystery when we're just checking the boxes and doing the damn thing. So what she's saying about bids of like connection, vulnerability, create that thoughtfulness, create some of that room to just be like, Hey, I see you. Like, I see what you need. And it's outside of this day to day routine. And like, that is sexy. Like that turns you on because you're like, oh, I'm being seen as a person, like who we were before we added all this other crap to, you know, kind of like our table. And then I think another good place to start is that the way we communicate about lacking sex and desire and intimacy, we got to change that we are so quick to be critical and punitive 
and not come from a place of curiosity, we language openness, like no one wants to be told 10 minutes before bed, that you guys aren't having sex a lot. They are well aware that stuff's not going on. So like when I'm here turning over, yeah, going into my happy place and like, I can't even remember the last time you touched me. Like, fuck that. Like, yeah, like this is not, this is not going to happen, but we have created this kind of culture around being critical because it hurts. It hurts not to have that deeper connection and intimacy that sex is such a big part of who we are as human beings. And so if we're not getting it, like that's a really painful thing, whether you're aware of it or not. And the way we talk about it initially is just a desire killer. So mm-hmm. bids of vulnerability, like Stacy said, a hundred percent creates that space, but don't suck out the effort you're putting in that space with the way you talk about sex. Right. I, I, I think there's a couple of great points that I wanted to speak to there. Like when you talk about the roles and I think that is one of the things that makes the beginning of a relationship so sexy and so exciting is because there are no established roles. You're just these two people that are just completely engaged in one another and learning about one another and discovering Mm -hmm, one another. And you're right. And the ironic part is that so many of us chase after those roles because we feel like it legitimizes that kind of mm. crazy connection that you've, right? It's like, well, we need other people to accept this, that it's not just, you know, some, some fly by night. We need other people to legitimize our, our connection. So yeah. we put all these labels on it and all these roles without even thinking about what that does to the people in that relationship mm-hmm. that are filling those roles. So that was such a great point that you made. And also looking for ways to appreciate your partner and not, not being critical. Something as simple as thank you for making my tea. I appreciate that. Or I've done, you know, I, I did this for you. I did that, you know, thank you for doing this and thank you for taking care of me. And thank you. And I, I think a lot of times we just get so used to being in those roles. We don't appreciate, we don't look for opportunities to, Mm -hmm. to praise our partner. It's, it's amazing what an aphrodisiac praise is. Oh my gosh. Oof. Yes. Right. To have, to have, yeah. <laughs> it's getting hot over there. Over yeah. Here. I love it. <laughs> but yeah. And, and I, and I love how you bring up Esther Perel as well to have that. You need that space from your partner mm-hmm. and, and it's very, very difficult to have right now, but that just means you have to make more of an effort to create that space mm-hmm. so yeah. that, so that mm-hmm. that desire has room to burn yeah. or otherwise yeah. it's just not going to, happen. So one of the things, I mean, we, we are built for variety and novelty as humans, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to argue that point, but that's, it's, it's been very well documented and it's something that Esther Perel talks about. And it's something yeah. that Chris talks about and Wednesday Martin talks about. So I wanted to, one of the ways that people can keep their sex life exciting in a long-term relationship is to start to crack the relationship but that can be and i this was one of the things i was really anxious to speak to you two about today mm-hmm. because our relationship was a little bit different in that we got together and from the very beginning we had decided it was not going to be a closed monogamous relationship mm-hmm. that we were going to explore different models together and different ways of doing things together. And uh, again, all the talking, right? Yeah. 
Nobody yeah. can see you nod, Dante. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the really Dante open, talking. Yeah. <laughs> open, explorative. No one can see you, Dante. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made a model. That's great. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your input. Um, <laughs> so oh, that was good. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot of our listeners that are in traditional relationships, closed monogamous relationships, and want to find ways to open just a little bit. I mean, it doesn't have to go right to, you know, kitchen table polyamory or relationship anarchy or those kinds of scary things that or seem scary because there's just, you know, it's like jumping in at the deep end. Are there ways that you counsel couples that come to, to see you about how to crack that open a little bit? How do you start to make that transition to, to that kind of, of relationship model if there's alternatives for them? That can't be an easy thing. No, and it's, it's complicated and communication around that is super key, right? I mean, as you were just, just alluding to, um, and it's not like it's a quick snap decision either. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's do go, this. And then it let's all, go have sex you know, with other people. yeah. And it all, <laughs> it all falls into place. And even I want to, what you said of, of that people are feeling, if you have a thought of maybe wanting to open it up or trying something new with your partner, that that can be kind of a scary initial thought. And I think that it's important, or at least I want to normalize how important that is and how real that is that when somebody for the first time uh, in a relationship has these feelings, that is the opposite of this fairy tale romantic, you find your person and that's it for the rest of your life. When somebody has that first initial feeling that maybe that actually isn't going to work for them after all, that can be one of the most scary, vulnerable things to figure out how to put words to that, go against a societal norm and then bring it to your partner. So I just want to acknowledge for anybody that maybe is in that space or relate to that, how challenging that can be to even just push against what that norm or maybe what you were taught um, a long-term healthy relationship looks like, that it's not failure to want to open your relationship up a little bit or that you need somebody else. Cue previous conversation about not getting everything from one person. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, that it's scary, but it's normal and there's nothing wrong. It's not a failure, Um it's actually a fantastic opportunity for growth. So I just wanted to say that first, because I know there can be a lot of shame around people acknowledging that in themselves. And that, that might even be the first place to start of some individual work of really what it means to you um, and what you do with those feelings. Yeah. That, I mean, this is why you're like my person, like, Oh, Mm -hmm. like you're talking. I'm just like, yeah, fuck the shame. Like, Oh, (laughs) But it's, it's true. And the shame is a big blocker on why we don't talk about it or we talk about it in a way that is not effective or authentic. So to kind of answer that question, I've had couples come in and literally we are we are <laughs> defining vocabulary. We are want, making sure we understand what the other person is saying. So you're, are you fantasizing about another person and you want to bring that into the relationship? Is this something you'd actually want to do in real life? Like, how are, how are you feeling about yourself sexually, about me sexually? Like, we've got to really understand ourselves amazingly well and then communicate the way we see ourselves and our partner before I think it's good to say, well, let's go and pick up 
Gina and have her join us. You know, it's, it's, I have a lot of couples really start out with like, are we speaking the same language? Do we want the same things? When you say this, I hear this. No, that's actually not. But we're talking about sex and intimacy and desire. We could do, you know, basic communication exercises all day long. If you don't really understand your partner's intimate desires and wants, you are going to run into so many blocks and barriers and outside, you know, a traditional quote, quote, relationship, it's going to get you um, not even in trouble, I just think a whole lot of hurt. And so I, I really try to have couples make sure we're all talking about the same things. We give a lot of resources like Oh, I'm going to blank on her name. Uh, Opening Up by Tristan. Caramino. That is like, yes, that is one of my favorite books to give couples to read together um, because it just gives so many different scenarios and options. And it's done from a very curious, explorative way. But I want to make sure that our, our couples are talking about the same stuff because once intimacy gets brought into the room, remember, it's like this, the most vulnerable thing we can do with each other, all our shit comes out and it makes it really hard for us to hear the other person. So we define vocab, we define like, what are we really talking about? And a lot comes out there before we even start going, okay, now what do we want that to look like in terms of going outside of a traditional relationship? Do you find that you in your practice that opening up a relationship is maybe being weaponized by one person? Like, you know, it's it's the last ditch effort or they're dragging oh. their partner into it because you know they're, they're using the state of the relationship as justification for why they need to do this I don't, sometimes not all the time I, maybe like i don't know about you stace but maybe half and half like definitely weaponized but then often those couples don't really want what they're saying they want Um, it's, it's the couples that are coming in going, you know, I'm super aware and hyper aware of my partner's feelings, but I'm also hiding parts of myself. And I want to share that those are usually the couples that I see more success in having some kind of consensual non monogamy or polyamory in their lives in a healthy way, the people that vilify more often than not, I find are not real, like what they're saying they want, they're just running from their own crap. And they're using that to hurt their partner. So I don't know if that's the same for you, Stace. Yeah, I would say that the couples that specifically seek us out to start opening their relationship, you know, seeking out couples therapy to do that is a pretty like healthy step. So um, I think maybe who we see in our practices don't necessarily align with that. But what you're saying happens, right? And I think we probably see that more like in individual people, like, people that we're supporting individually say, look, my couple or my partner says if, you know, that they really want to have a threesome. And if I don't want to do that, then the relationship's done. I think right. it's more common to hear that as like the individual. <laughs> I know it happened. It's a real, Sorry, I just made, I made this like, wow. I, know. <laughs> I saw your eyes get so big. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it happens. And that is a form of abuse. Right. And there's, That's there's emotional usually terrorism. That's like hundred percent. Absolutely. But it, it happens. And like Rachel is saying that there's usually something bigger going on in the relationship, mm-hmm. um, like some of their own shit coming up, if that is where it gets to. But I think couples that seek it out are actually usually on the more like we really want to learn and grow and do this together. Yeah. So we're going to have like professional support around it, but it, it happens. It's common. It's that's For really sure. common Dante. That's a great point that you make too, is that it's, it's a really smart idea to Get seek out, seek out therapy yeah. to, 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 because 
you almost become the translator because you talk about like the, you know, emotions run super high. You know, one of the reasons we called our, we call our podcast cheating on fear is because especially when we're talking about issues in relationships and sex, the fear factor is super high. People are so oh, terrified of, of rejection and being left and, and being, you know, shoved aside and forgotten and that they don't matter. And, and, yeah. and so you can, it can really mess with how you process things that your partner mm-hmm. says or, or thinks they want or, and yeah, finding some help to use the language and to, like I said, just kind of interpret back and forth what each partner is saying. It's like, well, you want to do this. And it's like, well, that's not really what they're saying. And, and something as simple as just admitting that you fantasize about other people or that you find someone attractive or mm-hmm. that, you know, most, a lot, a lot of people can't even say that. We just, we just did an episode about all the non-monogamy and friends mm-hmm. and we were talking, we, we were talking about the, the it, there's a lot, but <laughs> there is um, a lot. yeah, but the, the, the most common one is the celebrity list, the celebrity hall pass list. Mm. Well, that's acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's acceptable okay. mm-hmm. because it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe in LA. Maybe yeah. LA <laughs> might be a little bit. No, not so much. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I don't know that we want to like sleep with the celebrities. Like they're, you know, they're just as messed up as regular people. Okay. Right? Well, I, I won't speak for Stacy, but I'm good. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of them where I'd have to say, Shh, no talking. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. But that's, that's usually the only thing that's acceptable. And, and I think that's why it feels so good to have that conversation. Well, who's on your list? Well, who's on your list? Because it's so safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. but, but any, but I mean, you made, you made a point at, at that time where it was like, but it can't be anybody from your office or it can't be, mm-hmm. be any of your partner's friends or mm-hmm. it can't, right? Like, cause then it crosses the boundary. It goes from being this yeah. fun flirty fantasy talk to, oh shit, if I go out away for the weekend, yeah, this, I have, this could happen. Yeah. I have to make sure that yeah. Dante never talks to my best friend again. Like it's <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you go into protection mode. So totally. I think it's, it's a, it's great that, and it's great to have sex positive therapists like you because I've read a lot of advice columns and, and heard oh, from, yeah. it's, it's, oh, great. it's bad. It's, it's bad. so bad. How yeah. many, advice columnists are still basically talking about open relationships and, and wanting to open a relationship as sex addiction, oh as yeah. insecurity yep. issues, as- Or the beginning, beginning of the end the of a relationship. of the end. Like it's, it's really- I wonder re- why the divorce rate is so high. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. It's- <laughs> so strange. And, and so it's strange. It's so disturbing to read that really because people are reaching out for help Mm-hmm. And they're getting shut down. And, and on top of that, sh- like you talked about the shame and being made yep. to feel like shit for wanting things that are completely natural and normal yep. to want yeah. or not want. Like, I, I mean, Hey, if it's not for you, it's not for you, yep. but I'm starting to see some seeds of change. And, and I obviously see that with you guys and, and, and the content that you're putting out is so important and so key. And the fact that it's packaged up with some humor and some sass and some good music <laughs> really helps. I think right. the digestibility of, of stuff that's really serious and very critical yeah. to, to the health of people's relationships. So it's, it's really important. 
what would you say from a practical standpoint, what are some things that even maybe before people come to see you, what are some either conversations or little baby steps that they might be able to take to see if, if starting to crack the relationship open a little bit is something that they might want to pursue? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's fair to say that this isn't a like, <clears throat> you know, you guys are making dinner and it's a, hey, do you want to have sex with someone else conversation? Like, this is going to be a... And then, and then oh, there's a knock at the door. I'm here for the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Next yes. Sunday. Next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, what movie is that? Is that old school? That's old school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. That's actually um, the director of the movie. That's Todd Phillips, who's at the door. There's oh, a I didn't know that. That's oh, nice. Fun yeah, fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, yes, that this is not you know, because that these, this needs to be a deliberate, thoughtful conversation with your partner. Um, that is going to be multiple, 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 many conversations before mm-hmm. anything, you know, comes, comes to fruition. So I think even just the idea of like saying, Hey, I, I've been hearing about polyamory or I've been hearing about opening up a relationship. What do you think about that? And just getting your partner's response, right? Mm -hmm. Before you say, this is what I want and need and putting it out on the table, having those curious conversations, Mm -hmm. um, just from the get go. And then also being honest with how you feel about it and bringing, bringing it to the table, but there's ways to dip your toes in because it is scary. Like that is a scary conversation to start. So I could just encourage curiosity and openness. And when you bring it to your partner, also remember you have to listen, right? Like you have to listen to what they say. I know Rachel. (laughs) I know. Rachel's like, that's bullshit. Yeah. It's (laughs) fucking stupid. It's not one of your strong parts. No. Um, Right. But so as soon as you open up that conversation, you have to be ready for what comes back, whether it's positive, negative, um, and making sure that you are in a place before you spark that conversation to receive whatever your partner's response is going to be. Because for a lot of people, once, once that conversation happens, like the relationship is probably going to, yeah, right. So, but I think the curiosity with the intent of listening to whatever your partner has coming back at you, what do you think about this? Do you know any couples that do that? Have you heard any stories about this? And just kind of dipping, dipping the toe into the open relationship pond is I think a really where I would encourage people to start if you're unsure or you don't have a couple therapist or, you know, somebody guiding that conversation, real general, open-ended, curious questions with your person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Like a really important place to start, especially like Stacy had said something about, well, what have you heard? It's really important to know that we're all coming in with a narrative, whether we were raised this way, we've heard stories, have friends, have our own relationships that we maybe haven't told our primary or current partner about, or experiences Hmm. that have formed our outlook, you know, on open relationships. And so yeah, just being engaging, but being curious and being open to what you hear back, I think is a really important first step that cannot be missed. Things to try, I'll encourage couples to Um, look at, for example, if pornography is something that they find exciting, sharing what they like about what they're watching with each other, if they can look at things that are, you know, empowering or produced with like a certain quality as well. I think that's really important. And pornography is a whole other conversation. But using that as a medium to maybe talk about things that you feel uncomfortable talking about, but you know, that turn you on. So 
you know, I'll ask couples like, why don't you each choose a clip and then, you know, share it with each other, not after dinner, but you know, in a way or while you're making dinner, <laughs> but uh, unless, you know, things could, like, that's a whole that. Yeah. I mean, that, we never but... recommend incorporating food. That's never, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. That, oh, I just had like a visceral reaction, but you know, just using that as a medium when we are intimidated or have shame or just are fearful of saying the wrong thing, sometimes that can express a desire that we already have. And that's a way to just say, like, be more aware of not only what you're feeling, but also inviting your partner into that world and sharing like, well, and this, this scenario has a third person, like, what would that be like if someone watched us have sex? Like, how do what do you think would you would worry about? What would I worry about? And that might not be what your partner's worried about. I think that's like the best thing when someone's like, oh my gosh, I would, my butt's so big. I'd be worried about blah, blah, blah. And your partner goes, I would just be staring at your face the whole time being really into watching you being turned on. And you're like, wait, my ass doesn't matter that. Wow. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just a really safe, explorative space. We're really lucky in Los Angeles that we have also a lot of ways to dip in your toe into that world in safe, very consensual ways. And so I think learning more about some of those communities, whether you connect to them online and then go to their meetups after you've met some of their requirements for safety and privacy for those members is a great way. There are a lot of consensual non-monogamy or polyamory meetups with like really incredible people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean by going to a meetup that they're like, hi, do you want to fuck us? Like how (laughs) come sit at our table? Like they understand that you're new and they are not going to just like swarm you and take your car keys and put them in the fishbowl. I love like that stereotype that's out there. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. But Yeah. Like it's just ways that you can ease in. You can talk to people, kids, no kids, high profile jobs, no high pro. I mean, but putting yourself out there, going to certain events and seeing how you feel when you see people being sexual in front of each other or being with multiple people, like there are so many ways to ease into it. And then we want you to go home and talk about it a lot, multiple times and not just like, being wasted the whole time or being high the whole time, like doing it sober, clear minded and talking about it as you go through the ebb and flow of life. Like those are really practical ways to gauge how you're going to feel about this choice, because it is going to be a big part of your life. It's not something if practiced, I think in a way that's more healthy, that's like, okay, let's just put this in a secret box and we never talk about it. Like that's not Mm going to be good. No, no. And I I think those are some great, great tips, Stacey, just the communication piece that you were talking about and having open-ended curious questions and being prepared to hear the answer. I think that's mm-hmm. so key what you said. And then yeah. Rachel, like those communities and stuff, like there were a couple of things we've gone to a, a, a strip club together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even just like, who do you find attractive? Who do you find? Yeah, attractive? Yeah. Yeah, what do you like? What, do, yeah. what, you know, how does that make you feel? How, again, taking that energy home, and unleashing it on each other was mm-hmm. really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> we're both like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all good. And then, and, and I mean, all the sex clubs are closed here right now, but, but going to a sex club and, and realizing what, I mean, it sounds like a super scary seventh ring of hell kind of <laughs> like, just <laughs> like hedonistic yeah. space, right? Where you yeah. just, you can't walk in there without, eight sets of hands grabbing you, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And and it really is a safe place to go and just observe. Like, just yeah. go and just watch and I, watch what goes on. You don't have to do anything. No, 
And, and like you said, talk about what is, how does that make you feel? What was that like? And, and learn about what you like, what your partner likes. And I think one of the things in the original reel that we talked about, about making your sex life great in a long-term relationship is knowing who you are sexually Mm -hmm. and feeling, feeling okay about letting your partner know who that is. Right. And I think, I think if you've been brought up with a lot of shame around sexuality, Mm -hmm. that is something that really takes a lot of work and a lot Mm -hmm. of trust Mm -hmm. to do that. But if you can get, if you can get past that and do that, that makes a big difference. So those, those kinds of activities and that's, and that's a novel activity together. And that's an adventure together, whether you put any of your parts on anyone else's parts is completely immaterial. I I just, I just like to say that if you've gone out to a nightclub or to a bar with your partner, in my experience, that is way more of an aggressive space than a sex club. <laughs> yes. I've never I agree. seen yeah. I've never so seen predatory. so many so it many is predatory. on the prowl in in a nightclub. Oh, Whereas when you go to the sex club, there are literally or there have literally been women with their tits out walking around and nobody is giving them a hard time. Yeah. You go to a crowded nightclub and you're getting groped and touched and people are yes. looking at you all lasciviously. And, and it's yeah. just, it's a completely different environment. And I think people, yeah. if that's your experience, they go, oh, well, if we're in a sex club, it's gonna be, it's gonna be off the charts yes. insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, maybe some are, but it hasn't been our experience like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and B's right, like to go into that environment, that sexually charged environment, even if you do nothing, just, people watching and seeing what's going yes. on mm-hmm. you can light a fire uh, in that relationship shoulders are going Ooh, I see yeah. those, that shimmy shake be exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah i think dante that's such a good point and i think for anybody listening yeah. considering this it is so important to talk about like ethics and respect are such a huge part of the polyamory community, the kink community, you know, whatever, like that, that that needs to be like a base principle, if anything you're trying. And if as you by yourself or you and your partner are trying something different, if it doesn't feel safe, if it does feel like a gropey nightclub, like that, that is not what it is. And you don't need to stay. Right. Like there is a safety, not the culture. No, there is safety, respect, and a really high level of ethics around open relationships and polyamory. And that, that needs to be like the standard for yourself as you're going in and trying something new. If it doesn't feel ethical, if it feels like a violation of your safety, that is not right. And that is not the situation you should stay in. Yeah, I have to say, I'm so glad you said that, Stace, because I think that is part of what keeps our culture really puritanical is the Mm -hmm. idea that if you're going to pursue polyamory or open relationships, it's this hedonistic coercive arrangement. And Stacey is right. If you are feeling at all like there is 1% of you that's not consenting, you aren't in the the environment or the experience that a was promised to you or that you thought you were going to engage and you get to get the fuck out like it that is not the I think majority of people that are in and exploring this parts of themselves in this lifestyle. I think that that's absolutely like, we got a message in code decoding couples the other day that said, my poly friends are the most over communicate, transparent, confident people <laughs> I have ever met and are so aware of their shit. Like those are my goals. And I think that's our experience across the board. Yeah. So 
I'm really glad, Stace, that you mentioned that because if it's not feeling that way at all, that's not what this adventure is about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've we've always had between us, if it's a no from either of us, it's no. Yeah, it's a fuck yes, yes or it's no. Fuck yes or yes. no. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to write one, it down. On, one write it down. partner. <laughs> Both partners have to be on board. Oh my yeah, gosh. No, the, no one's taking one for the team. Oh no, the um oh, the book God. more than two. Horrible has, metaphor. Oh, oh god. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess in a sex space it is. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. More than two talks about that, right? Like the minute yeah. the minute one person is like, oh, well, I guess I could do it because you want to do it. That's like your first signal for mm-hmm. no. Both people need to be on board and then you decide what's best for you. Well, you think there's resentment when you're not having sex. Think about the resentment when you're having sex you don't want to have. <laughs> oh, and oh. the damage, just uh, the damage yeah. to the relationship, yeah. the person, 100%. Emily um, Nagalski talks a lot about that in Come As You Are. The damage of not saying no to yourself. We're so We're trained to be so afraid of being like, oh, I don't want to have sex tonight or oh, I don't want to do that. And what it does to the partner Talk about what it does to your body, like your own person. Like that is a trauma. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to leave it on that, on that note. Trauma is a bad ending. <laughs> Let, let's not end on trauma. Let's, <laughs> can, can we have some parting thoughts from you? <laughs> let's that go back to related. Dante saying, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Like, yeah. I, yes. like that's how I would like to end it. That is enthusiastic consent. That is so yes. beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Parting thoughts. Parting I don't know. What is hopeful? Uh, opening <laughs> up your have opening up your relationship can be good. There you go. <laughs> have opening more up your sex can be good. Have more sex. Have I more think sex. don't be so scared for what you're gonna find. I think there is so much exploring fantasy can lead you in so many ways. It's never going to lead you to a place you don't want to be because you have that choice. We think by opening that door or that box, you can't ever say no. I agree that Stacy is saying, you know, like your relationship might not be the same, but can we get like a, a green light on discovering parts of ourselves and truths about our relationship? And maybe it's good that we can never go back. So yeah. fantasy can lead to so many things don't be scared of the ride. Like it doesn't have to be something you don't want it to be. And maybe it's a good thing we can't unlearn that shit. Like that you can't Absolutely. kind of unexperience that stuff. Changing a relationship can be a good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so thank you so much for joining us today. I've, I've learned a lot and I've enjoyed you both so much. I, I wish, <laughs> I wish we did do video because the shoulders call. going back and forth, the shoulder shimmies are super, <laughs> super fun. <laughs> Where can people get a hold of you? Sure. So um, if you want to check out our reels that include a lot yes. of humility, um, you can find us on Instagram. Um, our handle is decoding underscore couples. You can also Google decoding couples, lovely website. Um, you can find all of our info there. Uh, and then we, if you want more of working with us, we are running our first workshop at the end of March. Um, nice. We're really, really excited about it's basically targeting. Look, you know, you got some bumps, bumps in your relationship. You're not ready for couples therapy for whatever reason. So we're going to tackle the big, the big three that we see communication, 
attachment and sex and intimacy. Um, we're going to run the workshop around, you know, just the basics of those areas and what, what you can do today to start feeling change in those areas. We're very excited about it. So keep an eye out for that. That's awesome. So people can sign up for that. Yes, they can sign up for that. And this has just been too much fun. I think we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will. For sure. Yes. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That was so much fun. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> Man, I hope we can make it out to the West Coast. Yes, I yeah, I, I think we have to make two separate trips. I think, I think I don't we have think, to go down the, yeah. the East Coast and the West Coast. I think we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to do that. Yeah. We fly to Vancouver or something and then and then drive down. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Anyway, so I hope everyone enjoyed that and got some there was some real information for people to sink mm-hmm. their teeth into mm-hmm. and uh we love to hear from you so shoot us an email dm yep check out the website yeah find us on all your favorite podcast platforms all that stuff yeah all right everyone thanks for listening thanks guys see you next time bye